this is Ryan. And hello, this is Steve. You're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar, buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing, playing, playing, yeah! Ah! It's Woo. the it's the uh, the Monday after Nam, Steve. Yeah. How did you like that that show? Oh, it was great. It was so great. We definitely are not did not record this episode <laughs> before we went to Nam. This no. is this is the show after Nam. Definitely. You know how we went to Nam on Saturday yeah. and then we had all that time on Sunday to just mm-hmm. sit down and record a new episode. Yeah, we hung out with all those guys. Yeah. Right. And ladies. I'm sure yeah. there, I'm and sure ladies. there were ladies there. I remember so clearly. Yeah, the Dean Booth girls. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I haven't ever been to Nam, and obviously we're joking about how we still haven't been there, even though we did go there before this podcast episode. Yeah, we'll airs. Be do, probably be doing our Nam update with the yeah. next episode. I'm going to be depressed if it's a, like just booth girls everywhere, like like other trade shows I've been to. Um, I don't think it's necessarily everywhere, but there's certain as, as certain far booths. As, as, from what I've understood, unless things have changed, there is definitely a booth girls element. Okay. For some companies. For some companies. Uh, but as far as I have heard, like the majors are more about product. Yeah. Uh, the ones that have always that have historically been like big offenders. Um, well, obviously Dean because they Dean, put, they put out like calendars uh, and stuff. Jackson. Yeah, sure. Um, All the heavy metal guitars. Yeah, basically like that kind of a thing. Yeah, gotcha. What are we drinking tonight, Steve? Uh, I'm drinking a whiskey and Coke that at this point is more Coke than whiskey, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm going to crack open a nice can of Coors right here. We usually do kind of like a craft beer type stuff, but every now and then I get that craving for just the cheapest can of beer I can find. And I kind of say that, you know, it's one thing to go out and try all these different craft beers and sample all this fancy stuff that has all this information. You don't really know if you have a good palate until you can figure out what your favorite cheap beer is. Right. Like, I don't want to talk to anyone about beer unless they can tell me what cheap beer is their go-to. Because that you know there has to be that kind of element in your life. I understand what you're saying. But I think it needs to be like they need to be able to cover both sides, right? Like if a person, if I say to a person, like, "What's your favorite beer?" and like it's you know Budweiser or whatever, right? Right. Like, like that's I guess an acceptable answer for what's your favorite cheap beer, right? Right. Um, but not for what's your favorite beer. I'd actually have to think about what my favorite cheap beer is. Probably Tecate. Tecate's nice. Um, I don't drink a ton of cheap beer just because I don't... I drink so intermittently that cheap sure. beer... Like a case of Tecate, like a 30-pack, would be in my fridge for, <laughs> like, for like three months. Well, that stuff doesn't go bad super fast. What I do is I get like the 30-pack. Right. And I work on it over like two months. Right. And it's like... You know, you can be- make beer batter with it. It's nice to have a couple of beers with, you know, your dinner every now and then. And sometimes, honestly, I just don't want to think that hard about what I'm drinking. Sure. I mean, I, I enjoy craft beer. I enjoy, you know, all the fancy beers and stuff where you can sit down and really think about all the flavors that are going on in there. But sometimes you just don't want to think that hard. You want to have a cheap beer. There's nothing wrong with that. Is there anything new, Steve? Do you have anything new to talk yeah, about? Yeah, we're going to talk about um, 
I printed this out. I brought it with me. Uh, and this kind of Ryan did his uh, a couple episodes ago, but I'm going to go through what my 2014 and a little 2015 gear flips. Uh huh. 20 flip teen. This is 20 flip teen. Yeah. So let's talk about this. Um, so you just want to read the list of everything. I'm trying to figure out how to break this down. So I started on this uh, in July. 2014, uh, when I sold my jazz bass, uh-huh. um, I, I had a Fender American jazz bass. I sold it for $800, and that was my starter. Um, so since then, uh, I bought a Mexican Strat and a Roland Amp. I sold the Roland Amp for $60. Um, I bought a Explore with the Tele neck for 100 bucks. I bought a Ampeg BA-115. You guys will remember most of this from the yeah. podcast. I mean, we've talked about all this stuff. Excuse me. Um, so I sold a, a pair of jazz bass pickups that I had, and I added that into uh, my list. They were just uh, some old ones I had. I sold that all-parts neck. So I bought that neck with a body for 100 bucks. I should pair all these. This will sure, make more sure. sense if I pair them. So let me back up. I bought the MIM Strat and Roland Amp for 200 I sold the amp for sixty. Uh, I sold the Strat for two sixty. So um, that's one hundred and twenty bucks profit. I bought Explore neck, Explore with the Tele neck, and uh, I sold the sold the neck for one twenty. Uh, I sold the pickup that was in that body for thirty bucks, and I sold the body for forty bucks. So that was uh, ninety dollars on that. Um, I bought an Ampeg BA-115, and I sold that for 100 bucks. I bought it for 20 bucks. Uh, I bought uh, these three pedals, uh, the EHXL Linear Power Booster, EHX Stereo Memory Man with Hazari, and a Boss TU-3. I sold the TU-3 for 60 bucks. I sold the Memory Man for 140 I actually saw the LBB one. I think we might be doing a contest at some point this year with it. Maybe. Yeah, we were talking about maybe modding it or doing something. Yeah, weird with I gotta it. open it up and see which version it is. Uh huh. See how hard it would be to mod. Um, I bought a Carvin MTS combo for one forty. I sold that for two hundred. I bought this SKB pedal board uh, with an amp and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, this one's going to be kind of tricky, so I paid that for I paid three hundred for that, um, and I sold it. Uh, I sold a BD two from that board for sixty bucks. I sold the pedal board itself for fifty. TS nine and Crybaby for a hundred. Uh, a Looper, the Jamman Solo Looper for eighty bucks. Uh, Boss DS one for twenty bucks, and the Frontman fifteen G for forty bucks, uh, and one twenty. For the Fuzz Factory, so uh, let, let me think. So I paid three hundred initially, uh, and I got back two ten, two ninety, three ten, three fifty, four hundred and seventy dollars on that. Wow! So I made a hundred and seventy dollars profit on that. I also bought another BD two T Rex Reverb, two Dan Electros, and a Mod Tone pedal, um, and I from that. Oh, sorry. And I also sold the Phase 90 from You've that. You've been buying and so selling I, a ton of stuff, I actually... Man. Uh, so what did I say? 170 I sold the Phase 90 for 60 bucks. I feel like your list is a lot crazier than mine was. So I actually made 530 bucks... Or I made 230 bucks on that $300 nice. pedal board. Uh, but I've got this other... Uh, I bought this BD2 
a T-Rex uh, reverb, two down electro minis, and a mod tone uh, distortion. And I actually still have all of them. I haven't sold any of them. Uh, I bought those in early December, so I haven't been able to get too aggressive with them. Uh-huh. Uh, so the BD2 on this one is the one that I referred to a couple episodes ago as the cursed BD2. <laughs> yeah. Or no, I, I referred to it in the group. Yeah. Um, so... You keep having people flake on yeah, you. Yeah, so just a small aside. So I've got this thing up for 60 bucks, which is a fair price, and it will sell eventually. Uh, I was kind of ranting more about the people that I was having to deal with uh-huh. than, than the struggles of the sale um, because I went to one guy's place, and he's like telling me how much he loves the pedal and how great it is, and how it sounds so much better than his DS1, and all this stuff. Yeah. What's funny about this story is it's the same guy I sold my Telecaster to. Yeah, which I didn't realize. Yeah. Uh, Ryan and I were talking about later that we have both dealt with this guy. Uh-huh. Um, and then he goes like, oh, 40 bucks. And I'm like, ah, uh, I've got it up for 60. Uh-huh. I'm like, I'll do 50. And he's like, oh, you sure you won't do 40? I'm like, nah, I got to do it. Like, I got it up for 60. Like, I'll meet you halfway. And he's like, oh, I guess I'm not going to buy it then. I'm like, dude, you just spent the last 10 minutes telling me how this is the perfect pedal for the sound you want. Yeah. And how, like, it gets, like, it's this beefy, dirty tone without being, like, fuzzy and all this stuff. And now, like, you're going to... It's one of these things where I'm like... He did the same thing to me with the Telecaster. Yeah, and, and it's one of these things where it's like... So this pedal has, like, a big gash in the top that, of course, it doesn't affect the playability right. at all. But it's something where, like, if he would have said, I still, I don't think I would have gone 40. Sure. But if he would have, like, if he would have said, like, oh, there's this gash on it, like, I didn't, like, I didn't realize that it was going to be that bad or whatever. Uh huh. Because I didn't post, I don't think I had a picture or I don't remember, or I might have just used some stock image or an old picture. I don't remember. Um, but if he would have done that, I still would have been like, oh, well, $10 for cosmetics or whatever. Yeah, sure. So that guy wasn't too far from where I live, and it was on the way, basically, for me picking up dinner, so not the biggest deal. Uh, Like, two days later, I drove, like, way out of my way to meet a guy halfway, because he was, like, super far. And um, I I still have this email back and forth, uh, if I can find it. Basically, so this guy emails me back and forth, and... Um, he's saying, uh, I want to buy it. Um, but, uh, oh geez, I haven't updated this folder in a while. (laughs) Um, he's telling me how he wants to buy it and all this stuff. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, let's do this. We'll, we'll make this work, whatever. And, um, and so... Uh, and this was like where I really got frustrated. Um, he emails me that morning. He said, okay, around 1 p.m. today, are you interested in Sony speakers as a trade? I emailed him back and I was like, um, no trade, $60 cash. And then after that, there was no communication. There was like, uh-huh. there was like, okay, well, I, I can't do cash. Like I need the trade or whatever. We had already set up a location. Yeah. So I, my assumption was like, we have the location, like you have $60, but you want to see if you can do like $30 and a trade or something. Right, right. But if like, he never backs out. So uh, I'm texting him. 
I get to the spot, like we're supposed to meet at one. I'm texting him like at one. I'm like, Hey, I'm here. Like I'm out in the parking lot and it was raining. Uh, and I'm like, I'm out in the parking lot. Um, I have my kids in the car. So can you come like, this is the description of my car, whatever. Uh, and I sent him this email. I said, I'm currently at the Starbucks. It's one Please let me know your situation. I have my child with me. I'll be leaving at one if I don't hear from you. So I gave this guy like a ton of leeway. Yeah, like, totally. Way more than I give any seller. But like, just because I'm, I've been trying to move this thing for a while. Uh huh. So like, I stay there till 145. I get this email at 310. Well, you said no trade. Sorry. <laughs> so I wrote him back right away and I was like, I didn't realize that was a deal breaker for you. At no previous point did you offer the trade. And after I rejected it, you'd never acknowledged and backed out. So I thought you were still good for the original deal. And he made something like, like, oh, I was busy all morning. I couldn't check my messages, whatever. But it's one of those things where like kind of my take on this is is just if you have something to trade because I most of the stuff that I put up like this boss BD2 I got for 60 bucks if someone wants to offer me like the right pedal I'd just be like oh yeah for sure yeah totally like or you know something like funky like I might trade this for like a Squire Strat sure if someone offered you a musical equipment trade of equal or greater value, you'd be on it. Yeah. Because you're looking to you move on to something else that you could possibly move easier. Yeah. I'm looking right now. You have these like Sony speakers in your house, and I'm wondering if they're the same ones. They might be. Uh, those came with the house. I'm going to put those on Craigslist soon. Oh. Well, do you want to trade them? For- no, no. <laughs> yeah. I'll trade those for a, a Blues Driver. Uh-huh. Sure. But uh, the my whole thing is like this guy did the deal in, the we- in like the wrong order. Yeah. Like... Okay, you're interested in something. So, first email, hey, do you still have it? That's fair. Yeah. Second email, okay, what's your availability? Okay, we're, that's actually my your second email at that point is like, does it still work? Or if you've got something that you want to trade, like just be straight up like, I've got this trade. Like, don't set up a time and a location to meet and then offer your trade. And then when the person rejects your trade, like, don't get back to them. Right, totally. Because once a t- for me, once a time and a location are set, like I'm going to be there unless you tell me not to be there. Uh-huh. And so for this guy, like, I'm just like, I don't, for me, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, I understand I rejected your trade, but you never said like, oh, well, I needed, I needed to make that trade. Yeah. He never said, he never declined the, the situation. Yeah. I, I think, though, seriously, you need to stop going places to sell your stuff. You need to have people come to you because you keep getting burned. Yeah, it's happened like a couple times. I know you really love. I know you really. I say I said love. What I meant was hate. Yeah. <laughs> you really hate driving. Well, I hate. I, I'll drive to pick up something that I'm buying. I just don't think it's worth it to drive something to someone that you're selling. They should come to you. Right. Right. I, I just want to move stuff. Yeah, but then you've gotten burned a couple times. Yeah, it's not, it's it's a waste of your time. This is like the first. This is the first series of burns I've had. I feel like. Yeah. Um. So so that's the stuff that I flipped. Now, I've got another column on this list that is called my no recoup list. Uh huh. And this is all stuff I bought with this money. Right, like personal stuff. Uh. Yeah. Um. So we. I took two hundred dollars from that initial eight hundred. 
uh-huh. and put it into buying a loft bed for my kid. Uh-huh. I bought a Polytune Mini. I bought a Squire Bullet. I went to Oktoberfest. Nice. Uh, I bought a baby swing. I bought dinner. <laughs> yeah, you did. I bought a big year NYC woodcutter. Oh, yeah. Has that showed up yet? No, he, uh, they're still being manufactured. They, they gotcha. Had a, had an issue with their uh, case maker, I guess, like oh. the pe- person that does the uh, the art boxes. Oh, okay, um, I bought like family photos. I bought In and Out. Nice. Uh, I got a. I like do- the records that you're keeping here, Steve. I got a twelve dollar purchase of In and Out. Uh, we bought a stroller. Um, I deposited a hundred bucks because we needed a hundred bucks. I guess. Sure. So I went to Soup Plantation. Uh, the Jam Man uh, actually because I sold it on Reverb. Um, I basically, I credited myself with $80, but then I also deposited it. Oh, okay. So that's like a flip, but I never actually saw that money. Right, right. Well, you um, saw it, but it's into your yeah. general account. Uh, I bought $36 worth of strings from Guitar Trader. Nice. And, uh, I deposited $20 from my Fuzz Factory. So, um, on my, on that list, basically all those things is negative $923. So I've bought $923 worth of stuff. Gotcha. Um, I have flipped for a gain of $590. Nice. So that's the money you've made. Yeah. And between the no recoup list and the flips, right now I have $467 in cash. You're doing pretty good, man. So that's $467. That's like my Craigslist. Yeah. Uh, my Craigslist budget. Yeah. So that's like just hanging out, loose cash, scattered in random denominations. And you still have a handful but, of stuff you're trying to sell. Yeah, I've I've still got uh I've still got uh f- like four five pedals at home that I'm trying to sell. Um I will be paying uh like 80 bucks for I got a an EHX memory boy that's not on here. Right, right. And I'll be paying for that. Uh, eventually so that'll t- come off the list gotcha whenever i get around to paying that but overall like it's been a pretty good year i think uh just with the new baby it might be harder to do one yeah. of the things that really enabled me to go like flips crazy like in november and december was being unemployed yeah um and now that i'm back to working again it's a little tougher uh, i had someone interested in my dan electro stuff but they're like oh i'm in oceanside and i don't have a car I'm like these are only forty bucks. It's going to cost me ten bucks in gas to get to Oceanside, yeah. and you know, an hour and a half of your life. Yeah, yeah, I might die. <laughs> you could die on the road. Is it worth it, Steve? <laughs> but that's All pretty right. good for basically a half a year of hard flipping. Yeah, you got yeah. Uh, almost six hundred bucks. Yeah, in profit. And uh, that's you know that's pretty good profit off I, of a hobby. I need to sit down with that ad from last week. See if that guy will take six grand. Oh, that pedal board yeah, stuff. Yeah, I need to sit down with all that and like price it all out, and then see if that guy will take like six grand. That would be a huge flip if there's profit in that. Like a huge start out on a. Flip. Yeah, I need to like max out a cash advance on a credit card to get yeah. that kind of money though. Like. It, the only reason that would be worth it is if you added that all up and you knew, like you knew, knew you could get like eight grand out of it. I would, I feel like I would need to have like buyers lined up yeah, in order to be comfortable with well, that. Well, you could, you could flip all that stuff on reverb pretty easy. Yeah. I just don't want to sit with that. Like, I don't want to deal with the stress of having that like cloud over my head yeah. for like 
the month and a half it's going to take me to move all that stuff. Well, yeah, it's going to take it's going to take you a long time and a lot of trips to the post office to hit the point where you've broken even, and then the time where it takes to make any profit off of that is just going to take a long time. You yeah, know? and it's a lot of work. All that shipping, all the ads you have to post because you said there was like thirty something, thirty yeah, like thirty four items. I think yeah, that's a lot of work. Yeah. Flipping ain't easy, man. No, but it sure is fun. <laughs> Should we get into ads? Yeah, let's uh, let's get into ads. Um, let me get my thing up here. I'm going to pull up this Fender USA one. Oh. I'll read it. Fender USA with Epi Neck 150. I'm assuming he means Epiphone Neck. Uh, Maybe he meant Epic Neck. <laughs> Fender Strat USA with no pickups in it. The pickups in the picture do not come with a guitar. And an all maple Epiphone neck just didn't have any on at the time the picture was taken. I have no idea. Oh, any? I think it was, I don't think there's strings on this guitar. Oh, okay. We'll take in trades. If you have any questions or interest, please contact me. This um, is the stupidest ad. Yeah, this ad is just makes my eyes hurt. Like my teeth are grinding just looking at this picture. It's not. I don't know where he gets the, the Fender USA thing because this is probably just all an Epiphone guitar. It's one of those 80s or 90s Epiphones that has a strap body. I saw this guitar at Guitar Center like a year ago for seventy nine ninety nine, yeah. and it had pickups. And it didn't have this awful, awful relic job on it. Hey, let's have some fun. If you If this ad is still up, whoever submitted this to us, I don't remember... Um, here's what I want you to do. I want you to rewind this. I want you to get, I want you to download this as an MP3 to your computer. Use your audio software to cut out this excerpt about this ad and then email it to this person because they are a moron. Well, they're either a moron or they just really are completely, they just have no idea what they're talking about. What's the difference? I don't know. I have, (laughs) I have no idea where they would have gotten the, the USA Fender information from because i really super doubt that that's a usa fender body and if it is why you you need to tell us a story about why this body is paired with this neck and why it's now missing pickups and why we're expected to pay one and why you've been like grinding sandpaper on it in your sleep in random locations yeah this is the weirdest relic i've seen in a long time it just looks there's like four big spots where the paint is worn off in a really unnatural way. I don't know. I mean, man. I guess I zoom in. It is a two point tram. So maybe it's a USA, but I don't, it doesn't look good to me that the, the it's pixelated, but that looks like a cheap bridge to me. That doesn't look. Well, I'm just saying it's a two point tram. That doesn't mean a lot. It though. could be a Squire two point tram. I don't know if Epi- I don't think Epiphone ever did a two point tram. There's still like, you know, even if, if that is a USA body, it's been severely damaged. Yeah, but if it's a USA body, like it's worth 150 bucks. But the neck is worth. I'm just so I guess they can't record this because now I'm trying to justify. The it. neck is worth maybe 50. Uh, yeah, yeah. What maybe. I'm saying is like, if you want to prove that this is a USA body, you need to take that neck off, which shouldn't be hard because there's no strings on it, right? Uh, and take a picture of that pocket because it'll it'll should be some indication there. 
Yeah, uh, there's got to be a lot of questions asked about that before anyone drops 150 on it. That's for sure. Yeah. Otherwise, um, fifty dollar guitar. Yeah. Uh, next one, another uh, Epiphone Wildcat. We talked about one of these a few weeks ago. Was that the Moonshine one? Yeah. Oh, there it is. This guy basically. I mean, we don't need to talk about the Wildcat a lot just because we already did. Oh, I remember this ad. Yeah. Uh, one year old Epiphone Wildcat, uh, semi hollow, uh, semi hollow body electric guitar with Bigsby vibrato, sixteen to one ratio Groover machines, Epiphone hard shell case guitar stand, also included Line Six Sparter four fifteen. Excuse me, everything near perfect condition. Asking five hundred dollars, or we'll trade for Volcano Digital Vaporizer, complete in new or near new condition. Or one to two gallon complete moonshine still. Oh yeah. We'll also consider grow tent and grow equipment lights, HID, HPS, or LED, and fans. So this guy is into some kind of vaporizer. Maybe he has like a chest cold or something like that. Like he needs like to humidify his room. Uh, is that what a vape? I thought that was for like vaping. It's for vaping. Okay. It's for it's for vaporizing marijuana. Oh, is that what I was thinking? Yeah. It was okay. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't I, look it up. I don't know, no either. But I've heard of the, these things. Okay. Uh, and then he wants to grow marijuana, so he wants to. Yeah, and I know. I recognize that stuff. He also wants. He's. I. I'm almost wondering if this is like a cop thing. Is this a bust? <laughs> it's like, oh, anyone want to buy this guitar and like tell me where you live and tell me if you're interested in or have been involved in, uh, you know. Producing hard liquor or or drugs, right? Because these things are against the law. Are moonshine stills against the law? Moonshine is super against the law. I don't know, man. It's a federal offense, dude. I don't drink moonshine that I talk about. Moon- <laughs> well, they do have legal moonshine now, right? In parts of the country, and you can buy it all over the country. You just can't make it all over the country. But right. in a lot of in a lot of America, you cannot distill hard liquor. On your premises. And they've started to release more licenses for people to do distillation. Yeah. But this bigger company is doing that sort of stuff. Do you think distillation will ever become like a, like a craft brew thing where someone starts as like a moonshiner and then they become like a legit craft whiskey yeah, distiller? We've had a couple distilleries open in San Diego in the past couple of years now. Oh. Uh, Ballast Point, the brewery, opened one, the Censorino Valley, right? That, that makes some really good stuff. Well, they've been doing distillery distillery stuff for a while, from yeah. what I understand. A friend of my sister's is the head guy at a gin distillery that opened down up in huh. downtown, which is a big deal. I'm not familiar, but homemaking uh, moonshine is still very illegal in San Diego, right? In California as well. <laughs> Uh, I don't know where this ad is. Herman? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where Someone that is. Someone sent it to us. But uh, what is he asking? He's asking 500 for this guitar in too the Too much. Yeah, that's too much. It needs to be closer to 400 Yeah, with that amp, 375 350 I'd be happy paying 350 just for the guitar. Okay, and then 50 bucks for the amp. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. Even though that's still high on the used end for that guitar, but it looks pretty clean. Yeah. All right, you want to hit the next one? Sure. This is a... Tisco Del Rey. No, I wanted you to do the other one, but you, we can do the oh. Tisco. We'll do the Tisco oh, first. Oh, the Sumo one. We'll, no, we'll do the Tisco first. 
Okay, so yeah, the the Tisco. This came up the other day on Reverb, and I caught it like in the first fifteen minutes it was up. And, yeah, and I posted it to the group, and we were all talking about it back and forth. Somebody loves AAA. Yeah, I know, right? It's got a couple AAA stickers on it. It's uh, a Tisco Del Rey EB100 bass. It's a nice looking short scale vintage bass, and. The guy only wanted eighty bucks for it, and yeah, that's and real, free shipping. Free shipping. So for really, guitar. that's like fifty bucks. This guy's like giving it away, basically. Yeah. So I was really on the fence about to pull the trigger on this, and there are certain things that kept me from buying it because we've talked back and forth earlier that this would have been an easy flip. Yeah, this is like flip city. What kept you from buying this? What kept me from buying it is that. I don't really play bass very much. I have a bass that's short scale that is, while it's not really cool or nice, it's very functional. It plays nice and it sounds good for what I do with it. And I don't need to have like a showpiece like this that would be like what I would play out with a band because it looks cool. Also, I don't like the color. I'm not into blue guitars. See, your your reasons are way better than mine. Uh, which doesn't really matter if I was going to flip it, but I was kind of thinking like, oh, if I bought this, I'd want to play it with it for a while. Right. Uh, and then it just, it was this hesitation. Like, I feel like if I'm going to buy stuff to flip, it should be stuff that I should be excited to use, you know? Sure. And then if I don't want it, then I sell it. And it just, I just couldn't cross that barrier of like, this is something that I want. Right. So I mentioned it, met, messaged him because he said there were some things he bought it as like a fixer upper and he never fixer uppered it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I, so I asked him like, what needs to be fixed? And he just said cleaning and adjusting. He just said it's an old cheapie. And then he updated the ad, but uh, I can't get the ad. Um, see, you have like all of these reasons like, uh, I did a lot of deep thinking. I don't want to do this and that. My reasoning was I'm a coward. Uh, and I, <laughs> I like 80 bucks. Is a, I mean, that's a chunk of change. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, if, if this had been down the street on Craigslist, you would have been there. Yeah. 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 Me, me too. If this had been in Mira Mesa on Craigslist, I would have gone that day and checked it out and then made a decision. Right. But because it's over the internet and I can't try it out, I can't see... The condition of it, right? Like firsthand, like I thought how it looked pretty good. It for, looks I mean, pretty good, but with these old guitars, you never know. The truss rod, yeah. could, the truss rod could be snapped in there, and the whole neck could just be twisted and warped in a weird way. It might not be playable. At eighty bucks, it's still a really, really cool like wall hanger. Like you could decorate, you know, your man cave or your dinner or whatever with it. Yeah, and it looks neat. Now, one of the things that's really interesting about this guitar is uh, that it looks like the strings on it haven't been changed in about 40 years. No, it's those plastic wrap ones. Well, it's not just that. So there's a type of string, uh, for those of you who are out, kind of outside the bass world and aren't necessarily familiar with it, there's a thing called tape-wound strings. Uh-huh. And tape-wounds are kind of like, I guess it's almost like flat-wounds taken to the next level. So flat-wound is like is uh, your standard like nickel yeah. core wrapped in like a flat nickel uh wrapping they're real smooth yeah and then tape wound is uh if instead of being like a nickel wrap it was like nylon tape interesting that's wrapped what is actually on this is a product that fender made 
uh-huh. that was called uh, Fender uh, Fender Nylon Wound, I think they called it. And what they actually have here, uh, as far as I can tell, is it's not a tape like with the with a tape wound string close up like you can see the winds just like you can on any other guitar string Uh just like you can on a flat wound but on these it's like they took the string and put it inside of a piece of of some kind of like heat shrinkable Uh uh nylon tubing and then like heat shrunk it because basically what they have on these, from what I understand, is like the same sort of thing. If you were to rip the electrical wiring out of your wall. Right. That wiring is covered in like a smooth insulating wrap. Yeah. Uh, and that's basically what these have on them. Is it like a heat shrink sort of it's thing? Like a, it's like a rubber wrap. Interesting. And so uh, apparently like this type of string actually, some people really love it, but it really like deadens the sound out, I guess. Sure. It makes it really thumpy. And which uh, was what, probably what you need on a short scale right ba- bass like this that has probably a very spanky bright yeah. pickup in it. And in one of the complaints that, that I thought was kind of interesting with these strings that I didn't see for general tape wounds, uh, though it might might have just been the context, but definitely what for this string I saw this complaint a few times. Excuse me, is that uh, it was a little tacky. Oh, and so okay. you actually like It'd if be you sticky. if you were uh, the kind of like bass player that works up and down the neck uh-huh. with like sli- like slides up and down the neck, uh, you actually were prone to like friction burns. Oh man, yeah, that's rough. Yeah, <laughs> that's really interesting. So, but yeah, this thing just looks. You can change those strings if you don't like them, but this thing just looks really. Well, neat. yeah, the guy was even including like a pack of boomers yeah. or something. Uh, it's got a gold foil bass pickup, which how often do you see those? Yeah, like you could take that pickup and probably sell it for what this guitar was sold for. Oh, for sure. This is a really. I. I I'm I should having, have jumped on I'm it. I'm having a little regret because <sighs> I, sh- I would have actually like. I think I would have played this bass. I would have liked to see you play this bass. I should have jumped on this, but for whatever reason, whatever mood I was in that day, I didn't. No regrets, I guess. Stuff like this will come up again. We can't get every deal that comes up on the internet, Steve. We yeah. have to. Ha- we have to let other people have a good time too. You know. <laughs> I bet if I. I feel like I need to jump on TalkBase and see if whoever bought this is like talking about it on TalkBase right now. They might be. I feel like it's got to be up there. All right. Do we want to hit this last ad? Yeah. Who sent this to us? Uh, Brian Schultz. This is from uh, the Pittsburgh area. This is a piece of Craigslist gear drama. Yeah. It, they used to do this a lot. People used to do this a lot in our local Craigslist and then for whatever reason it stopped where people would kind of air their complaints about other Craigslisters as an ad. As kind of like a notice to talk about other people. Yeah, I'm going to... We used to see this more in San Diego Craigslist, but you don't see it as often. And you definitely... I don't feel like I've ever seen anyone called out like this. No, it's it's pretty serious stuff. So I'm going to propose that we... There's two paragraphs in here. Which paragraph do you want to read? I'll read the, the reply. You read... The, the guy prefacing what's going on. All right. And the title. So this says Wiener Dog Reply, $475 Homestead. Uh, and it has a picture of like a professional sumo wrestler dude. And he's like about to fight like a five-year-old sumo wrestler dude. Uh-huh. Uh, 
make, manufacturer, butt sore tough guy. Model name slash number, terroristic threats, size, dimensions, three apples high. I got this reply from a fine fellow who wanted to lowball me on a speaker cabinet. Apparently, he's upset by my refusal to accept his offer. He not only threatened me, but threatened to shut down a show. Goes by the name Wiener Dog. <laughs> Be careful out there, fellow musicians. This is a real internet tough guy. So I'm going to read, because uh, he, he posted this reply that the guy sent to him. I'm going to read it under uh, TV censored. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, this is What's like, the movie? Uh, well, it's... Die Hard. Die I'm, Hard. I'm going to read it under uh, TV censored Die Hard rules. Okay. So uh, when you hear the words mother, father, you know yeah. that it stands for something else. Yeah. Uh, what about, are you going to drop a Mr. Falcon in there? I could do Mr. Falcon. I'll do Mr. Falcon for the first one or for, or for later on. I'll drop it. It'll be a surprise. All right. Okay. I'm going to try to do a little bit of a voice. Look here, you dumb ass mother father. Your band sucks anyway. You're trying to sell a 16 ohm cab for 475 FOH. I'm a break your jaw when I see you. I'm from Homestead and played with bands you can only dream of. You're done. <laughs> You're done, mother father. I'll be seeing you at the Roberta Project. I know the owner real good. Maybe I'll call and cancel you fathers. I can't wait to grab your skinny throat, you master falcon. You're done. <laughs> so, I gotta say, like... I want to see what the uh, rejection letter looked like <sighs> just because like, okay, I get the aggro. Like I understand like this is a completely insane response. Yeah. But I just want to know like, what did the guy say? What did the guy say? Like, did he just write, did he really just write like, oh no, that's, that's too low. Or like, did he get, I feel like there's gotta be like an agitation here. I feel like there's a level of this that we might understand better if we knew this area, like what Homestead is. So, is is this like a super like broish area right. or what's going on in this place? Uh, so, well, that's one of the things that's funny is, is uh, Brian says, uh, for what it's worth, the Roberto project is actually called the Mr. Roboto project. It's run by a DIY collective, not just one guy. This dude is nuts. So it's not like you can, there's no owner. Right. It's like a bunch of people putting on a, that have a, like a co-op venue, kind of like what we did with the park gallery. Right. Like anytime we wanted, anytime there was like a band that we were like, oh, I, these guys kind of trashed the place. Should we have them back? Yeah. Like, like the six of us all got together and we're like, well, what are the pros and cons? Like, do we want to do this? Like, right, right. Do you really feel like? Do you feel strong enough about it that you don't want to host them anymore, or should we like full on ban them? Like, th we had these kinds of discussions because sure, like, sure. that's kind of like how DIY venues operate. Yeah, I, I guess. But uh, yeah, I just I don't know. Like, I can't imagine uh, what is going on here. It's just nuts. A drama like this is it's entertaining for the rest of us, but I'm glad that I'm not the kind of person who gets caught in these kinds of things with other people. So I looked up Homestead Pittsburgh and one of the Google search results was crime Homestead Pittsburgh crime. That was like the third suggested result. Great. So Homestead, Pennsylvania is a borough of uh Pittsburgh. Um 
It was the headquarters during the Homestead strike. Or no, this, oh, sorry, this picture. There was a strike there, apparently, in the 1890s. Um, blah, 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 blah. Uh, demographics, this is what we want to know. Uh, there are 3,000 people there. Not this that's, again, Steve. That's interesting. No, uh, let's, this adds over. Let's move on. I don't want. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to hear you get all excited about information about Whoa. places again. So yeah, I'm guessing that this is kind of like a high crime rate area because everyone there's poor. It's just a rough town. It sounds like it. Okay, uh, let's move on to topics. Uh, let's talk about what Jimmy Junior asked. What did Jimmy Jr. ask? He, he told us to talk about the Eastwood oh, the Custom Eastwood. Shop. Eastwood. So Eastwood is a really interesting guitar company. Basically, everything they make is, you know, imports. They have them made overseas either. I'm not sure. Is it is it China or Korea with them? Uh, these days, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I've never got... I haven't gotten the chance to hold an Eastwood in my hands yet. But they make like all the kinds of stuff that I get excited about. Yeah. Like reissues of vintage like oddities and stuff. And they make really quirky takes on other guitars. They are they hold the the current uh licensing for uh airline guitars, which is the guitar that like Jack White plays and stuff. Yeah. So they make like airline maps and well at least that he, that he did play. I think that was like kinda like was, I, I know what you're his, saying. It was his White Stripes guitar. Yeah, like in the heyday of the White Stripes, like he's moved on to like sure. Gretsch and other all things. kinds of other things. So they have a program now that's basically like a Kickstarter thing where their customers or their designers propose a style of guitar and then they put it up on a page that's like, oh, here's our projects and they give a time frame and if they meet the... Uh, the uh, the base requirements for funding by people putting in uh, down payments, yeah, which are pretty minimal. It said it's somewhere in be- usually in between like a hundred or a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, it looks like it's a typically about twenty five percent. Yeah, and it looks like it's it takes a relatively small amount of money for them to get started and make these guitars, like right. a, a couple of grand. If they get enough money, then they put these guitars into production, and you're like the first one to get it. Now, you were looking through the list of guitars. How many of these uh, were guitars that, like, don't exist right now? Well, the Diva one is really interesting on there. They got, like, 700-something percent funding on it. Uh, do you have that page open? I don't. I have the, uh, actually, their Airline Map Deluxe with Gold Hardware is the one that I have open right now because I want to see the price. So, so for an idea, just so you guys have an idea... Uh, the final price for this airline map is $879. The pre-order is $200. So the idea is that you pay uh, $200 up front, and then you pay the other $679 uh, down the line. So Devo plays this guitar called the LeBay, which basically looks like a 2x4 with a neck attached to it. Right. Uh, and it was... I, f- I forget the history on these things. I think there was like a weird 60s sort of thing, like an oddity. And it's, yeah. got, it's got all the full controls on there. It's got a Bixby. It's got two pickups. But, you know, 
if you're a Devo fan, you can't get these guitars anywhere. They're yeah, th- stupid rare. This thing's cr- pretty wild looking. And the whole idea, like, uh, I mean, I don't know how fast the, the turnaround is on this, but it seems like Eastwood has a pretty active following. Yeah. Um, enough that, again, like, they can do, the, like, people can suggest stuff. I'm guessing what it is is, like, you know, they probably have, like, a web form or something, and somebody suggests something, and if a bunch of people are like, like, oh, yeah, that'd be crazy. Let's, oh, you should do that. Uh-huh. Then they're like, well, put your money where your mouth is, suckas. Exactly. I mean, they've got, it says here on the website they've got almost $30,000 in deposits from people for the Devo guitar. Whoa. Which is pretty serious. Like, people want this guitar. Yeah. Um, And with, with good reason, it's really freaking cool. Yeah. Uh, but that's well above what they required to put this guitar into production. So now it's under production. And they have some other funky stuff up here. Uh, they have some tenor guitars, which are interesting, which are four string guitars. They have a yeah. baritone tenor, which sounds like a lot of fun to me. I would be interested in getting something like that. Yeah. So is that basically just like the high four strings on a baritone? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's really wild, right? Yeah. But I bet you could do all kinds of stuff. You could put the low strings on there, too. Yeah, probably. But, I mean, these these are... I mean, uh, the whole point of having a bar- uh, tenor guitar is that you only... That yeah, is, you have the high that's end. That's that shifted. Yeah. Otherwise, There's... you just get a bass. I want a baritone bass. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I bet there are baritone basses. Bassitone. Yeah. But it's a really kind of cool thing that uh, this guitar company is doing. It would be neat to see other guitar companies kind of take this on, you know? Like if Fender did that or something, or Gibson. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of crazy. I, you know, I understand why the majors don't do it. I really appreciate that Eastwood... Like, I mean, from the beginning, they've always kind of been this, we're going to bring back... Like the weird MYJ yeah. stuff from the 60s. Like that's been their bread and butter. Or like early um, 60s garage rock centric stuff. And Right, right. And I definitely I definitely really appreciate that. And this is the kind of thing like I, I, I was trying to say that I didn't finish. I get why Fender and Gibson can't do it. Um, but this is the kind of thing where, and we've talked about it before, there's all of these, you know, guitars on like DH Gate and Alibaba uh-huh. or whatever that are doing these like Gibson knockoffs, and it's just like, why not just start a company that makes what people that request? Does that? And and I suppose like, I mean, if you had the capital in the United States and you were like a big businessman, you could say like, I'm going to take a hundred thousand dollars, I'm going to fly over to China, I'm going to go to one of these factories and I'm uh-huh. going to like actually talk to these people about like, what would it take to like spec things out? Like I want better, you know, I want quality control people, whatever. Right. I want custom, I want you to wa- wind your pickups to my specifications. Yeah. etc. Um, because you know, there's a market for like, I think it's, I, I don't remember what model it is, um, but it's like one of the current, like Gibson Les Paul Supreme 2015 model. Uh huh. That's like a Les Paul semi hollow with F holes and all this stuff and whatever and some crazy finish for like freaking $5,000, I think. Yeah. There is a market for someone who is importing 
to like bring in these things for like 600 bucks. Sure. If the QC is there. Right. But they've got to stop making them as counterfeits. And, well, yeah. And, and do it under their own brand, you know? Right. Right. As Absolutely. Long, like you said, as long as there's good quality control. There's a, there's a company. Uh, this is going to be a, a bit of an aside. There's a company called uh, Volante Guitars. Did I send you this link? I don't remember. Um, so there's a company called Volante. And I actually called them out on it sort of it was actually kind of a neat thing um somebody posted about them on my on one of my guitar forums and said and was like oh what's the deal with these and he thought they were made in america because of the way the description was he said made in the u.s with give back program they have a give back program which is kind of i forget how it works and at uh, Korean made prices, here's a YouTube vid. So I watched it, and this is what I said. Um, I said, from what I've been finding, these guitars are made in China. I wouldn't be surprised if these are being handpicked from factories where they do counterfeiting. However, I'm fine with Volante trying to establish their own brand instead of uh, bucking instead of yeah instead of bucking another counterfeit. Um, so. What it is is this is an American entrepreneur, uh huh, who's doing stuff overseas, and 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 kind of what I said is like people are like, well, the company's in America, so the assumption is that it's American made. It was like, well, Epiphone is an American company. Right. I mean, my, my hallmark was made in Korea. Yeah, but it was designed by a guy in America. Uh, so it's super cool. Is uh, I don't know how he found this. Maybe it came up on Google search. Maybe somebody sent it to him. Uh, but he, uh, David Volante, who owns this company, uh-huh. um, jumped on the forum and said, uh, my name's David Volante. Uh, he says, like, I just found out about this thread. Uh, I want to clarify a few things for you guys. Cool. Uh, my name's David Volante, and I'm the owner of Volante Guitars. Our guitars are designed in America, but they're made in China in our private factory. We do not use counterfeit factories to produce our guitars, and we use our own in-house electronics, tuners, etc. I hope that can cl- help clear up uh, any... Cle- or, sorry. I Wow. A whiskey's working. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that I can help clear the air of any misconceptions that, and would be glad to answer anyone's questions. I hope you all have a great day and a very happy new year. Now... There, there's not a ton of reviews on his guitars online, but like the options are really there, and there's just some really like the finishes for me are are, are really over the top. They're all these like quilted maple yeah. kind of finishes and whatever. I mean, there's people who like that. Yeah, it's just not you yeah. and me. Um, but I thought like their price points and what they were doing like looked really good and like i'm looking at one of their guitars right now and it's kind of like this vaguely uh prs shape it's in an emerald green flame maple Uh uh-huh which again like is a little gaudy but it's 550 bucks and it's a semi-hollow nice um and further on down here they've got a uh flying v in white um, for 450 and just these other things. They've got a bunch of guitars. There's a video by uh, a guy on YouTube who goes by the name Tone King. Uh-huh. Um, who is like all about this uh this stuff. And they've got three different lines. They do have um like a really simple line. I had no intention of getting on this topic, but it's happening. Sure, sure. Um 
their give back program is kind of interesting where it's like, I think, um, I'm trying to remember exactly what it is, but it's like, uh, when you, uh, when you contact, you can contact, contact them to become part of their give back program. And the way it works is, um, basically like, I guess the idea is, is if you buy a guitar uh-huh. from them and then like people will like check it out and be like, Oh man, this is rad. I want one. So if you join their give back program, you get a coupon code and, um, it says if you're able to have five guitars sold with your coupon code, then you're also given the option to pay the $150 you would have received. And we will recreate, we will create for you your very own custom guitar. So, um, interesting. So basically for each, um, so for the way that I, I'm understanding it and maybe I'm reading this all wrong is that, with your coupon code for each guitar you sell they give you a $30 coupon off of like your next guitar for oh me. okay and if you were able to do five in lieu of buying um another instead in, instead of getting $150 off your next guitar you can get a custom guitar from them for $150. Interesting. Because part of what they do is customization. Is customization. So it, you take like your $550 base model and then you're like, oh, I want all of these things different. Yeah. And it'll be like, okay, well, instead of $550, like it's going to be like $750 or whatever. Yeah. And again, these are like Chinese instruments, but the reviews on them. There's some good stuff are, coming out are of pretty China. strong. Um, and this is like full custom shop. I would say like this is. A more modern version, kind of a kind of what Eastwood's doing in a way. Sure, sure. So I, I just that's really interesting. I could see some like a a shop taking advantage of that. Yeah, I don't know anything about this brand aside from what I've read. A lot of what I've read is like borderline shilling, and I think it's just because um, it's such a small company. There's just not a ton of information out there. Right, right. And it just seems odd to me. Like why? Like every review is so positive. Yeah, um, that's always a little bit of a flag. But but it's something where like I listen to the guy in the video and like I mean he's playing it and it sounds decent and, yeah. and whatever. So uh you know, I I don't know. I, I definitely that again, like that's just the model that I've been wanting to see. And Eastwood is kind of doing the same thing, I feel like, with this with this buy in program where they're like we're doing something unique here and we're giving the option to, for people to get involved. Yeah. And like East, like I said, I think Eastwood's made in China, but uh, I, yeah, somewhere over there. I don't remember. Import. <laughs> Is there anything else we want to talk about before the end of the episode? Uh, were we going to hit up, talk about bridges? Well, I feel like that's a long topic unless we just want to kind of just say what our favorite and least favorite. How much time do we have? We're at 55 minutes right now. Oh, wow. Yeah, we kind of filled the episode out. Dang. <laughs> what 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 what's your least favorite bridge? Uh, my least favorite bridge. Well, well, the question was specific to tremolos, but you don't use tremolos, so you just say bridges, and I'll say I'll say something about tremolos. Well, I was going to say like as far as trims go, I was you know, we, and we harped on it last episode. Yeah, we harp on it frequently as the Mustang. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm. I'm not the biggest fan of like the like I'm okay with strats, but for me, strat like even the standard strats 
bridge. It needs to be set to the body. I've never had a lot of success with floating strap bridges. Yeah. And what it comes down to is I'm just paranoid about strings breaking, and that just throws everything out. You think that you're, you're afraid the strings will break if it's floating? No, I'm afraid of what will happen if a string breaks. Oh, because it's floating. Like with yeah. my Strat, like I could probably back it off so the trim was looser. Uh-huh. But like with my Strat, like I, I always keep it flush to the body so it's dive bomb only. Yeah. And uh, and it it's mostly because if I break a string, I want it the bridge not to move. Exactly, and that's that's a problem with any tremolo that's floating, e- even with like Bigsby's and stuff like that. Yeah, any bridge, any tremolo where you can pull the strings tighter. If a string breaks, there the all the strings are going to go out of tune, which is a can be a big problem if you're playing on stage. You know, uh, like but with a strat, if the if the if the trim is pulled against the body and a string breaks, then it's just still against the body because the springs are holding it down. Right. And you can keep playing, which is a really nice feature of the strap trim. Um, what else do we have to say about this? I don't know. I what? mean, we could we could list every model of bridge and tremolo that there is. Well, at least that we know of. Yeah, that we know of. He, uh, I've never gotten... A, to play around with like caller trims, but people swear uh, yeah. by those versus like a, like a Floyd Rose. Right. Uh, uh, something that I've been looking at bridge wise um, is uh, I've got that Squire P base and we had this conversation the other day uh-huh. and you were like, no, don't do it. Um, is I've been, th- I, so I got this Squire P base from Adam, listener of the show. Adam oh, Powell. doing the hardware upgrade and I on wanted- it? I don't. I don't even think of it as like an upgrade. I just want this base to be all black. <laughs> Here's what you should do: you should sell that base and buy a better base that's all black. Oh man! Um, so well, it's not worth swapping out the hardware on that thing, man. It plays good. Yeah, leave it as it is. Well, that's the issue: is like <laughs> if it plays good, how much do I want to mess with it? I just GFS is selling these twenty dollars high mass bridges. Yeah, and I was like, oh, dude, like they look rad. I want one of those. So you want to put twenty dollars into a bridge, and then you want to put uh, what is going to be like forty bucks into tuners. Uh, well, yeah, and that's the problem is like if I wanted to go all black, I'd need to replace the tuners. Yeah. And then you need to get new knobs. I already have the knobs. Okay, and then you need to get black. Uh, I still need a strap a, I pegs. I need a. I didn't even think about strap pegs. What I really all then I you re- need to get black strings. All, oh my, that's terrible. <laughs> but strings are a consumable, so they don't actually count. Right, right. Uh, what I need most of all for this base is um, a pit guard, and that's what actually started the ball rolling. Is I was thinking about getting a three ply black. Uh huh. And. I've got black knobs and and so from there I was like I've got black knobs if I put black knobs on a three ply black pit guard on a black body like how much further do I need to go to get an all black I think you should just get a black pit guard get white knobs and white pickup covers and go tuxedo but that's going to cost me another like 20 bucks to do white knobs and well white pickup yeah but then you're not changing out tuners Tuners are a pain in the butt. Yeah. I I if I don't go all black, I'm just gonna get the pit guard and call it a day. Yeah. And go with whatever parts I have. <sighs> I guess I have white knobs. Yeah. I've got like white, like fender classic white knobs. Yeah, like a like a like a strat like knob. Like a strat knob. That would look cool on there. Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, as far as going back to bridges and tremolos, <laughs> yeah. uh, here's a piece of advice that I have. Like with if you're going to use like a vintage style tremolo, like a Bigsby or what's like on the Hallmark or like what's on a Tisco, anything that's kind of that vein of tremolo that's got a big bar connected to a spring. Uh, you, if you want tuning stability, you need to make sure that you have a bridge that rocks with the motion of the tremolo, right? So that the strings aren't sliding over the the bridge, but the whole bridge is kind of flexing with the strings and like gripping onto the strings. That's I and they sell like roller bridges and stuff like that. Roller bridges don't actually work. Like there's so much tension against them. And I guess such a slight movement that the string is making that there's, I super doubt the the roller bridge is actually ever rolling. A lot of people swear by like rolling nut and rolling bridge assemblies. I don't think, I don't believe the hype. I had a rolling bridge, but uh, it didn't fit in the guitar. (laughs) Like my, my, my guitar on the wall here that has a big speed. Uh-huh. It's got great tuning stability because it has one of the the old Gibson harmonica style bridges right. that they put on SGs for a while. Yeah. And that thing rocks on its posts so the string isn't sliding a- across the bridge. It's the string is still locked in the bridge. Mm-hmm. But the the bridge itself is rocking giving you the tremolo action. And then on my Hallmark it does the same thing huh. where the the uh the bridge is sitting on posts that allow it to rock a little bit. And right. that has rollers on it, but it doesn't I don't think it actually rolls. It's like if you look at it, the bridge itself rocks back and forth with the tremolo action. I, I think you need to get like a, a pair of like five X magnifying glasses. <laughs> magnifying? <laughs> magnifying. <laughs> yeah. And put it under an electron micro- microscope and see how much no, the, the rolling bridge is rolling. Oh my god! <laughs> it's there's so many bridge variations out there. I mean the the big standards are the tunomatic, which is you're going to get on all your hardtail, right? Les Paul and Gibson style guitars, and then there's all the various Fender variations. This well, and- the Strat bridge is probably the most successful tremolo. In the history of oh, guitars. absolutely. It gets put on everything. If you know how to set it up right, it can be a very effective tremolo. Yeah. If you don't know how to set it up right, it's still a great bridge. It's just a flat bridge yeah. there. There's uh, there's definitely so many companies, too, doing offshoots. I don't feel like there's... Are there any companies doing, like, Bigsby knockoffs? Oh, yeah. I guess I just don't really see them. Yeah, there's tons of them. But I th- think of, like, with Fender replacements, you know... Callum does a bunch of stuff. Wilkinson does a uh-huh. bunch of stuff. Uh, does Mastery do trams or just the bridges? They started doing Jaguar trams. Okay. And then you've got like a Super... Is it Super V? Yeah, Super V. I've got a Super V on my uh, Flying V, yeah. which is appropriate, which is a... It's supposed to be an improved Strat bridge. And instead of the uh, the bridge rocking on six screws, there's a part of the bridge that bolts down with four screws and then there's a thin metal blade that goes in between that and the actual bridge. Right. So the bridge floats on this flexible metal metal blade. I feel like blade. that blade's got to wear out at some point. I don't know, man. It's pretty rugged. We'll see. But yeah. then also there's uh, some advances in there. They they have like a nylon sleeve that makes the arm right. in there super tight. That's really my biggest problem with a standard Strat Tremolo 
is the way and any tremolo really is if the arm is rocking in the uh in the bridge then that's not cool no with my uh with my other strat i wrap uh teflon plumber's tape around the the threads of the tremolo arm and that holds it like really snug in place and it's a really uh, easy solution to that. I will say along that thought on the Mustang bridge, on the Mustang tram, uh-huh. the bar is held in place by a hex screw. Right. You can tighten it down. Yeah. That's a nice feature. If only they had designed the rest of the bridge, <laughs> you know, that well. Uh, so one day I'm going to get a Mustang. And I'm just going to fall in love with the tremolo, yeah, dude. and I'm going to have to take everything back that I ever said about it. It's the I I will say this uh, there. It's a lot of fun. It's definitely like a lot more fun than um, a strat trim is. Uh huh. Um, you just you're, you're not going back in tune after. It's yeah. It's just a struggle. What I found with the jack stand, what I had to do is anytime I went forward on it, uh huh, I'd have to bring it. I'd have to like bring it back and then, and then like do a quick tightening. Sure. And then it would go back. And actually, if you were to tighten it, if you were to go like tighten the strings, what's the opposite of a dive bomb? I don't know. Right. Um. And let it go, like it would pretty much go back in tune. It was just when you dive bomb, when you yeah. do dive bomb, that it would have trouble going all the way back in tune. Um, and maybe like a better set of springs on my guitar would have helped. I don't know. I don't know. Um, maybe I needed to oil everything, <laughs> um, graphite everything, and oil yeah. everything. And- but uh, I mean, it was definitely like a lot of fun. The thing that I finally ended up doing with the Jagstang was uh i don't use the bar i would just use it for really subtle like fluttery kind of stuff uh-huh. where i would just push like because the the trem uh mount and where the strings go is so sticks out of the body so far right i would just kind of like put my hand behind it and like manually right rock right it. and that was like i said that was a lot of fun uh, man, I'm talking so good about this guitar. I feel like I need to break it out. <laughs> it's been it has been more than one week. Uh, uh, the last time I think I played that guitar was with Derek and the Termites. Oh, really? Yeah. You should bust that thing out uh, next time we play on a Sunday together, and I'll play around with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I'll see what I can do if I remember. <laughs> I'll forget. All right. Uh, you know. Someone was supposed to send me a song. Let's see if they did it. (laughs) Talk about something, Um, Steve. Fill the dead air. So we've been getting a lot of great feedback, and we really appreciate it. And obviously, we've had an uptick in listenership. Um, But one thing that we've been struggling with staying on top of is uh, topics and songs. Yeah. Uh, And we've been able to get topics from the group, which is great, but... You know, not everyone's on Facebook. Uh, And uh, sometimes with songs, we've gotten a little more organized where we actually, if people send us songs and we have too many, we have a songs folder that we put them in Uh so we can like kind of save stuff up. So if you have music that you want to send us, like, what are you waiting for, dude? Just do it. Like, send it to us already. So what's going on is that uh, uh, David uh, Chote, is that the right pronunciation? I have no idea. Uh, David Chote 
messaged me when we first started recording this episode asking if we needed songs. I replied, yes, send your song right now and it'll make the episode. And he said, we have to do a bass track super fast. We're just, <laughs> we just reworked a demo. Uh, and then he said that he'd send it soon. I don't see anything in our inbox. So if he sends us a song, then that's what we'll we'll play at the end of this episode. Otherwise, we're going to record Ryan's kid's uh, <laughs> walker toy. It'll either be a song from David or it'll be some random sound or song or noise. Maybe a recording of someone saying something weird at Nam. Uh, it'll be something. We'll put something on the end of this. Yeah. Uh, other than that, jump on the Facebook group. Follow us on instagram at 60 cycle hum yeah uh email us your ads topics and songs uh review us on itunes we've only got like 16 reviews on there i don't think we've gotten a review since like september something like that i think i always hear other podcasters saying that reviews help i don't know how they help but maybe they do so go on itunes and give us some really interesting reviews yeah yeah uh, enjoy this sound or song that you're about to hear, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>